0: Welcome to Sunlight Connections, a homeschool podcast. This is Season 2, Episode 7. I'm Stephanie Rose, Sunlight's Community Manager, and today's podcast is all about getting kids to focus and navigating discipline issues. Joining me is Judy from Sunlight and Sarah Moania. Sarah is the mom behind YouTube's Our Tribe of Many. She spends her days homeschooling her tribe of 10, although not all of them are school-age yet and documenting her family's journey. Whether you're new to homeschooling or still adjusting to a new year, you'll want to listen in if your family is struggling with focusing, adjusting to homeschooling, or even experiencing some behavior issues. Sarah and Judy provide encouragement and tips on getting children to own a portion of their educational journey. We also tackle some hard homeschool topics with gentle advice and tricks on approaching sibling rivalry Handling a refusal to work, and even getting your child to see you as teacher. Between the two of them, they have many years of homeschool experience, providing us with great advice and multiple ideas to give your family the homeschool adjustment you might be needing. Join me as we turn the page on this topic. Hello everyone and welcome today we're going to be talking about teaching your kids to focus and help kiss the behavior issues goodbye. At this point you've been homeschooling for a few months now if you're new and possibly for a few years now if you've been around but you might have um, additional issues this year that maybe you haven't had in the past. It's kind of a crazy year and um, maybe you're new at this. So we thought we'd get on here and talk a little bit about these issues. I am joined today by Judy and Sarah. Judy is the Sunlight, she works here at Sunlight with me and Sarah is a YouTuber at at Our Tribe of Many. And I'm gonna let
1: them introduce themselves. So Judy, welcome. Thanks Steph, it's good to be here with you today. So I am a retired homeschool mom of three amazing adults, um, have grandchildren and we did Sunlight all the way through And as Steph mentioned I work for Sunlight as the marketing sales coordinator so I have the privilege of putting together teams every year to send out to uh, conventions all around the country and in Canada except for this year Um, but we hope to be back out there and seeing you all next summer.
2: Perfect thanks for being here Judy and Sarah welcome. Thank you Stephanie I am Sarah Moania and I have 10 children i've been married to my husband for 18 years and our oldest child is 16 so i have seven students this year we've been homeschooling our whole school journey and yes seven of them and then three little ones tagging along so it's busy at our house (laughs) yeah
0: for sure well i appreciate you two joining when we started seeing questions about this on our groups and then i spoke with sarah and she said she's getting a lot of questions and i said Let's talk about how we can get kids to focus and, and hopefully work on some behavior issues if you're having any. So first of all, how do you get your kids to focus on a particularly hard day? Maybe you're having a hard
2: day, they're having a hard day. Maybe it's a combination of both. I, uh, I do think that once in a while, the day is just so hard that we just stop. And I, I haven't done that for a long time, but I used to employ that a lot more when my children were younger and it's just easier some days to just say hey let's just let's just call it good what we did and let's start over tomorrow and sometimes you just need that um, but i i do find that whatever is happening at the end of the school day is great incentive for finishing on a hard day and um so we really focus on what's coming after school especially on hard days and um, even in the morning we'll talk about what will ha- what's going to happen when we get all together what's happening at the end of this day. Um, so it's a lot of incentive. And then, you know, sometimes things are hard. Sometimes things are hard for the kids. Sometimes it's hard for me. I also look, like to look um, at the, the broader picture. Like, is, is, are, are we hungry? Are we really tired? Are we not going to bed early enough? Are we getting enough exercise? And kind of look at those those broader scheme things, which maybe you forget about when you're in the moment with a, a hard situation and really it's something maybe that doesn't have anything to do with that math problem like hunger or not going to bed early enough or that kind of thing so if, it, if it's a pattern i really look at um, the the tiredness and sleeping enough and all that kind of stuff um, but i think that what happens at the end of the school day is so <laughs> important to getting through the school day just knowing like hey we're gonna play with friends later and you get to go outside and you know that kind of yeah thing.
1: Lord, I totally agree with Sarah. I I think setting expectations is huge. And for kids, especially who have shorter attention spans on a daily basis, um, when I would start like math with my kids, I would tell them, so we're going to work on this for about 20 minutes. And mm-hmm. for at least one of my kids, it helped to set a timer because then there was hope that it was soon going to be over. Mm-hmm. And so it's it easier to focus if they had an endpoint in sight in this wasn't going to go on forever and ever and ever. And she's absolutely right, being able to say, this is what we're aiming for today. It's gonna happen at the end of the day, so we need to get this done first. I also had one child, excuse me, who was so very easily distracted. And so a good friend of mine made a suggestion. We bought a refrigerator one year um, when this child was younger, and um, we saved the refrigerator box and we cut it down into a cubicle and we put it on top of the dining room table. And so for certain subjects where this child really needed to focus and not be distracted, she got to go to her office and sit in that cubicle and do her work. And it was amazing just the mere fact that she couldn't see what was going on around her, um, how much that helped her to focus. So sometimes you just have to be a little creative
0: yes i have an adhd child and there are we start with exercise so um a lot of times i'll be like go run around the cul-de-sac 10 times and then come back and we'll do math and okay. i didn't get that at first but after a while it was like oh he's just really antsy he needs he needs to get some of that energy out and there's another um homeschool mom i've talked to recently and she said um she had the same sort of situation and she said it, it i did not use exercise as a reward <laughs> i actually did that first and then they were tired and they would concentrate a little bit more yeah. when they're tired so if you have those really active kids that might be a solution too so we, judy kind of talked about it a little bit with math and setting a timer but what about if they are struggling to concentrate on a certain subject is there some way that you um, focus their concentration on writing or math or maybe it's reading aloud you know and and you find that your kids kind of like roaming around the house while you're reading is there anything that you can do to really center their attention
2: well i am i've had all different with all different kids you get all different situations and so and i feel like every one of them has gone through a, a phase where they struggle with a subject and i think it's very normal sometimes they struggle with every subject just for about a year like for me it's all I'll oftentimes around seven eight sometimes nine years old where they'll go through a phase usually it doesn't last a year sometimes it does and it's just hard to motivate and get done with everything And if there's one subject, there's a lot of things I've employed, we've gotten little timers that they use and I'll switch from having to do this many lessons or this lesson a day to just doing 30 minutes or 20 minutes like Judy said I'll just switch my method for them of how we get through it sometimes or um, I give them their assignment early and I write all their assignments down and I give them the option of getting up before everybody else even maybe and they can get it all done by themselves. And that can be very motivating for some personalities to just have that independence to get it up early and do it themselves. I, in very desperate measures, I have <laughs> used like after three problems, you get a chocolate chip on your plate. I mean, I've used a lot of things, and it's sometimes, it's usually just a little season we have to push through or just a phase of a subject like this section of math that we don't like and it's hard to get through. Um, I, I know I have friends and family members that will. Um, do use a penny system or something because we we work as adults and we get paid and that's our reward. And so sometimes for some kids that they don't care at all. <laughs> some kids that can be very motivating. And then some of them I've done what you've done and we will do like 10 jumping jacks and then we're going to do this problem and it just helps, especially boys. I've noticed that in my house, at least so, though.
1: Yeah. I, I think too some kids are just movers and shakers by nature. Mm -hmm. And so asking them to sit still is an almost impossible task. Um, For at least one of mine, I began to realize that when I would say, you need to sit still while I read this, that all of his energy was focused on, I've got to sit still, I've got to sit still, That he was not getting a thing. And so if I put him in a rocking chair so he could move, or if I set him on the floor with some Legos in front of him and just told him, "I I can't hear your mouth. But your hands can be busy. It was amazing later on when I would go back and talk about the story we had read, how much detail he recalled. Because he was expending energy at the same time. And in reality, I'm the same way. I can't sit still and watch a movie. I have to have something going in my hands, cross stitching or crocheting or something in order to help me focus on
2: on what I'm doing. So I totally get it. It's very frustrating. (laughs) I think for read alouds in particular, I've had some kids that really need something to do with their hands. We really like kinetic sand or Legos or drawing, uh, chalkboard or whiteboard. And then I've had some kids that, one kid in particular that cannot do anything with his hands or he will not not know anything I read to him. And so it's interesting that he was thrown in the mix right in the middle there. And kind of threw me off for a minute. (laughs) And then I've had one that needed to read along with me as I'm reading aloud to really understand and to be able to answer any questions about it later. So to really comprehend. So the reading aloud thing, I think you really have to figure out what's best for your kid and how. um, But at one time I've been pregnant a lot of times (laughs) and I had this big, you know, these bouncy balls that pregnant women like kind of sit on. I gave that to one of my little boys, and he just would bounce on that while I read, and it helped a lot. So there's a lot of different tactics to employ.
0: <laughs> I sometimes will kick the chair out while he mine's doing math. Math is always a problem, um, but it does <laughs> like he'll like dance around and do his, you know, and and it works, and so. Anyway, yeah. there, the it, point is, it, it could be anything, but there's a lot yes. of ideas that you could try um, from, from you guys. So thank you for sharing that.
1: And I think, too, it's important just to drop in here real quick to remember that sometimes there are physical issues that are at play when a child struggles with learning. Um, have you had their vision checked lately? Um, you mentioned, Sarah, that a lot of your kids struggle when they get to be seven or eight. Every one of my children, when they hit puberty, life changed for that year while they got used to all the hormones that were rolling around in their little bodies and adjusted um, their emotional responses and reactions and their ability to focus. And so I think it's good to remember, too, that sometimes there are outside forces at play, and maybe you just need to stop and kind of investigate what those might be. It's Very true. So for the new homeschoolers, for the people who are
0: just now starting to homeschool, what advice do you have for them to see you as teachers? So like you're changing your role from mom, just mom or just dad to also teacher.
1: I think um, there's a rule of thumb that I heard years and years ago, and, and I think it's probably pretty true, that if you're taking your child out of a classroom experience, um, take the number of years they've been in that. So if you're pulling them out of sixth grade and figure that the transition to homeschooling is going to take about one week for every year that they were in the classroom. So if you pull them out of sixth grade, you can expect about a month, month and a half of transition. And it's a time when you just have to demonstrate grace um, and help them to understand you're not the only one that's going through some transition here. I'm having to get used to new things. You are But I think at the same time, there has to be boundaries, Um, and you have to tell them what the expectations are. Um, I remember reading a study once about um, a class of children who were sent out on a playground every day, and and it's pretty well known, so you may have heard of it, but they tried taking away the fence on the playground to see what the kids' reaction would be. And the reaction was that they all stayed in the very center of the playground. They didn't feel safe enough to move out and around. But when they put the fence back up and created boundaries for those kids, then the kids felt free to play and run and move around. And I think it's very similar in a homeschooling situation. You may have to remind them in a variety of different ways, whether you have a chart on the wall or whether it's a conversation you have regularly I think you do have to establish boundaries, one of which is, I am your teacher, and there's a measure of respect that goes with that.
2: I absolutely agree. Um, I think I haven't had that particular situation since we started that way. And now when I talk to my kids about it, they don't see a difference between teacher and mom, which I don't know if that's good or bad. But... When you think about it, as mothers, we're teaching our children all the time, whether we're teaching them how to empty the dishwasher and we're teaching them how to get themselves ready for the day and all those kind of things. And so I think if I was in that situation, I would do exactly what Judy did and make sure that, or talked about and make sure that the boundaries and the expectations are very clear. And then maybe in that transition period or while my kids are learning that, okay, I'm also doing school with you, (laughs) is uh, looking for opportunities maybe to make it fun and enjoyable in that transition like maybe going to a nature center and teaching them as we walk and like just getting them used to okay I'm taking over this part now and I'm I'm teaching you your school and we're going to do it in a lot of different ways and some of it's going to be fun and maybe that might help the transition I don't know that would be something I would definitely try I think cuz it's something that we I employ now is also like just breaking it up with a lot of fun and I think a lot of classrooms do that, teachers in classrooms too, especially for younger kids. So that's something I would maybe try.
1: Yeah. I had a mentor when I was a young homeschooling mom who said to me, you know, one of the best things you can do is always look for ways that you can say yes. Don't always say no. And so yeah. the more times you can say yes,
2: um, the better off you're going to be. So it was a very little thing, but wow, what a difference. Yeah. If you're teaching math and you just decide to get in the kitchen and make some cookies mm-hmm. and show demonstrate they they're going to see wow this could actually be a lot of fun and tasty yeah. <laughs> way to learn you know you it's going to be fun here too it's just going to be different and i love that many yeses yeah <laughs>
0: um i also we've talked a lot about setting goals for your homeschool as like with your husband but also you know maybe having your kids set some goals too and and allowing them to sort of own those goals and then helping them accomplish them is another way that you can get them involved and see you differently. So uh, one of the questions we get a lot is about sibling rivalry. I struggle with that word. I had to say it really slow, <laughs> rivalry. anyway um how you, when you're teaching multiple children and you might have some attention issues how
2: can you overcome that um in your in your homeschool? like with certain kids feeling like they're not getting enough attention i know in my house i uh my kids are very aware of how much time they're going to get with me every day from the beginning and um we haven't had a lot of, in fact, they probably would wish I'd spend less time with their school. <laughs> oh, it's my turn. <laughs> and so um, I, I do though, I realize I do, the, the expectations are very clear ahead. In fact, even they know six days ahead when they're going to meet with me and go over everything. And everybody gets that chance, except the kindergartner I work with every day, all of her stuff, everybody else I work with certain things, the days they need them, all of this. And they all know it ahead of time and they all wanna come help with the kindergartner, you know? So I think for us, the expectations has worked really well. Of um, have like they know ahead, they just know. So they're not worried that they're not getting a, enough time.
1: One of the things that I found worked in our house while our tribe wasn't quite as large as Sarah's, um, we really focused on a team mentality in our household, and so and that wasn't just for school; that was for everything. And so we, I constantly rehearsed that team um, vocabulary all the time. If we work together to get this done, then we can go do this. Um, I would talk to my older children about how they could be an encouragement to their younger siblings. And so I think it kind of goes back to that say yes thing again. Instead of always um, disciplining or correcting when sibling rivalry took place, I looked for ways to, to flip it around and get in front of that curve and develop that team mentality. I need you to help me with this. We need to do things together as a family because if we don't, then we miss out on so very much. And so I think when you set that expectation, and you rehearse that day after day after day, it just becomes second nature. Well, of course, I will go help my brother pick up his toys, or I, you know, and I think some measure of sibling rivalry is pretty normal. (laughs) I, you know, we're all wired to look at ourselves first. And so it's, It's a transition to get them to see others first, but that team mentality, I think, helps.
0: Absolutely. Um, How would you handle a refusal of work or when behavior causes issues when you're teaching? That's a question we get a lot
1: too. I think you have to remember that it's not personal. I think one of the biggest challenges I had as a mom was every time my kids disobeyed, I looked at it as a personal attack against me. And I had to learn to step back and realize that they were being normal children, um, normal human beings, and that I needed to not react, um, but I needed to be proactive. And so there were times... Um, because there are, there's going to be behavioral issues in the moment that you weren't prepared for, and you wonder, where did that come from? There were times when I would look at my kids and say, I need to not see your face for five minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would know inside of me that I was struggling keeping my anger in check or my frustration in check. And so very often I would say to whichever child, I need you to go sit on your bed for five minutes And I'm going to take a break and then we're going to have a conversation. And so it became less about in the moment yelling or screaming because that accomplishes absolutely nothing. And it became more about get away from me and give me a few minutes to get my act together to perhaps stop and say, Lord, I really need wisdom with this one. And then we could have a decent conversation.
2: Yeah, I love that. I, I also, um, I did the same thing we talked about in the beginning where I would look at if it's happening over and over with a child if they need more sleep. um, If we're trying to do something at the wrong time of the day when they're hungry or sometimes those physical things really do come into play a lot. Um, But I think I had one that was the most difficult of wanting to or not wanting to get school done and I was just continually having problems over and over. And I did something probably unconventional. My husband and I decided to kick him out of school for a little bit. And so he just, I told him, okay, you're done until uh, when you're homeschooled. I feel like there's a certain amount of personal responsibility you have to take. And I, I can't drag you through this this material. And he was a preteen at the time. And so I just let him quit. And he saw his other siblings go. At first, he was very happy. Of course, I knew he would be. And he saw his other siblings continue to work. And and I let it. We let it go on for a month. And I tell you what, he came back so motivated. He did not like watching them all move ahead and him not. And and that was something that the Lord had showed me to do. And I talked to my husband. And he agreed. Um, but sometimes it was not something I would have ever thought of myself to just take him out of school. (laughs) And the ramifications, uh, the positive ramifications have gone so much farther than I ever thought. And it was just a God idea that he gave me when I prayed about it. Um, And it changed everything for us. So I think really just seeking the Lord when you have a continual thing going on and just asking for his wisdom can make such a big difference. Um, But yeah, I love the things that Judy mentioned too.
1: That's a phenomenal idea,
2: and I think you nailed it with the
1: God ideas. Um, We had a year that we took. Um, My husband and I watched our kids struggle with homeschooling, and so as we planned for our coming school year, we took a year off. Now, we still read and did some math, but the rest of the time, we worked on character issues. We did character studies and we created opportunities for our kids to serve one another. Um, we had a lot of long conversations. And let me tell you um, that the same as Sarah said, I never would have thought of that. That was a God thing for sure. Um, but what huge benefits that reaped. And so I agree. Sometimes you just have to say, Lord, I'm stuck. <laughs> I just, I don't have a clue here. I need you to give me some insight. Yeah. and he never fails to do that.
2: Yeah. One thing I, I would encourage um, people who home at home, homeschooling in the trench of it, now that I have, I have, I'm not as far as Judy, but I have a 16-year-old now, and there are things I wondered about along the way, like, are we spending enough time here? What if we took that month off? How, that's detrimental, you know, all that time, and if you just keep plotting along and work on those character issues and make what's important, important, which sometimes we forget about for sure and just remind ourselves what's important, it really does work out. And when they have the character, when they learn those character issues and they learn how to learn on their own, it works out. I don't know. I haven't gone that far, but my kids, my oldest two are in some community college courses and I, all my fears are like, okay, it's worked out so far because we focused on what's important with, which is them learning how to learn themselves and their, and character and Mm -hmm. the disciplines and all those things, so.
1: Yeah.
2: And I bet
0: both of you experienced as your children, well now as your child, your children are in community college, the ability to um, address their own education, which is something I think a lot of people will go through high school in um, traditional school or public school and realize that it's not like they, they don't know how to approach their professors when they get to college. They don't know how to take on learning themselves. And, and you're really teaching that if you, if you homeschool, so yeah. Yeah. you're giving them yeah. the right guidance.
2: <laughs> and they, they develop, if you just keep plodding along, and just keep plodding along, they develop a love for learning when they learn this way, I think. And that's what I'm thats what i seeing that is maybe different than how I felt <laughs> for my education. And I love seeing them go in and just be hungry to learn and love it so much and then be equipped and also be equipped to be able to keep up, so.
1: And I think um, you and your spouse have to be on the same page. Um, Different people have different convictions and viewpoints about discipline and how to handle those things in your home. And, and as, as a parent, that is absolutely your right and responsibility. But I think it's, it's a huge deal to make sure you're on the same page so that you're doing this together and not at odds with each other. Because boy, I don't know about your kids, Sarah, but my kids knew my husband and I didn't agree on something. And there were times when they could figure out a way to play that. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, us against one another. And um, I, I think it's very helpful to make sure you have that conversation with your spouse. Amen. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: Um, so we've had a lot of people asking about
0: if their child seems lazy maybe they're not working as hard, or maybe they've learned that behavior at public school for a few years now. Um, So how would you advise them to overcome maybe lazy behavior?
1: There's definitely a difference um, between being one student among 20 and being one student among however many siblings you have. And so, Again, there's going to be a transition time when it suddenly dawns on your student that what I could get away with in a group of 20, I can't get away with here at home because mom sees what I'm doing all the time. And so I think it's going to, again, grace is a big thing. You got to give them a little bit of time to readjust their thinking and realize um, laziness won't work in a tutorial uh, relationship. It just, it doesn't work. Um, I think you also have to be able to say um, to your student, talk through it with your student. I mean, there are always gonna be situations where you as a parent have to say, this needs to be done. And so we need to get this finished this way. But um, I, think, I think a lot of times a conversation will help and maybe you need to motivate them a little bit. Um, we did a thing that we called a redemption box and so when, when we struggled with finding ways to um, encourage motivation, then we would talk about what was really important, whether it was a toy, a favorite toy, or a piece of technology, or whatever it was. And I would give them a very clear expectation. I need this done in this timeframe. And if it's not, here's the consequence. And one of the things I used to say to my kids all the time and As they got older, they um, got sick and tired of hearing it. And that was your choices have consequences, but they're your choices. And so that redemption box came in there because very often the consequence was if you choose not to get this done, then the consequence is that I take this and it goes in the redemption box and you will need to do something to redeem it, to get it back.
2: It's a great idea. Mm hmm we, um, at our house with laziness, <laughs> we've dealt with laziness. And uh, one thing we've just always done is when they're lazy about something and don't do good work, they get more work. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, was, that wasn't that was something actually I would naturally want to do, but um, that was my husband that, who he would always do that with the chores. And so I realized it works well for school as well. <laughs> so we would just give okay well if you're not doing it well if you're being lazy about it then you're going to get another job or you're going to get more problems to do and they sit there and it it does make for an uncomfortable day or two and then they realize it really does pay off to do a good job the first time and i i would say uh, oh okay let's be happy about it let's be he didn't like that (laughs) he doesn't like that so uh I, I do notice that um, there were some things that I was letting them be lazy on even as they got older and older in some of like showing their math work or um, Doing a good job with in this way that they write sentences and when they started going to the community college, I noticed that some of that stuff they had to relearn or it became a problem. And so it, it makes me even think differently about my next ones of uh, it's really good not to be lazy in these things because eventually you do have to deal with it, and so I'm talking to my kids about that as well, like if we don't learn it now, we you have to learn it later, and it might be more uncomfortable and painful later too, so yeah, but yeah, we do more work when when' it's lazy <laughs> well, yeah, I'm
1: <laughs>
0: I think that those are great ideas. I think giving more work and because of what they've done it is a great idea and i love the idea of a redemption box as well i appreciate both of you joining to talk a little bit about um maybe focus and behavior issues and i hope that this has been helpful for whoever um is listening and i appreciate you both if you'd like to learn more about sarah and her adorable family you can find her on our tribe of many on youtube and judy and i will see you soon
2: all right Bye.